Is it that uh, you don't have something better to do? Uh, just I do, you know. There are different reasons why one they decide to travel. It should be because God told you to do it. Because you have a genuine love for people. Remember what Paul said in Philippians 1, 17 to 18. Let's read that. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. He was saying some were preaching it out of envy to make things more difficult for him. Some were preaching it for real. He said, let Christ be preached anyway. So it's important to identify your area of gifting, your anointing. There are people who stay with the same congregation for long. And they are there. And they are fine. And there's no problem. There are other people who move from place to place. So you need to identify what God wired you for, what he called you for, and what you are to do with it. We're going to see in a while that results are not even enough to show that this is God's place for you. That, they are, that you are getting results are not enough. I've seen in life that there are times some people are a particular way, not necessarily because of a gift or a calling, just by virtue of upbringing. Anybody raised in the family I was raised in will be time conscious, will be organized. It has nothing to do with core. Just the family I was born into. As I am now, if I bring out my wallet, if you need my wife's pastor photograph, I will give you two. If you give my sons or daughter anybody's pastor grad, I will have like two, two in my pocket. Because in my father's house, when we went for an exam, you had two biros, two pencils, two erasers, two, yeah. So anybody born in that family will be a particular way, not necessarily that they are called into something, but just based on, and of course, that's how my children are too. I'll be surprised if they say my child got to a wedding late. His own, you know, there are people who are late for their own wedding. I hope you know. <laughs> The day I got married, 50 minutes before time, I was seated in church. 50 minutes, I was seated. Yeah. So, it's not just that, that you, it has to really be that you have a call. And don't compare yourself with other people. You know, the Bible says they compare themselves with themselves are not wise. Because everybody's different, everybody's wired differently. And uh, so don't be in a hurry. Just wait for your time. Let me read a few scriptures. Matthew 4.23, talking about Jesus. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing all sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Chapter 9, verse 35. Matthew still. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel. He went about. So Jesus was an itinerant minister. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now, it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And yet, you know, Jesus was an apostle. The Bible refers to him as an apostle. The Bible refers to him as a prophet, isn't it? He, of course, he was an evangelist. He was a pastor. He called himself the good shepherd. And of course, he was a teacher. And yet, he itinerated. So that's why, I think that's where I started from. I don't think the fact that somebody is a pastor doesn't mean the person. So I gave myself as an example that I actually preach outside the church I pastor in a year more than the church I pastor. And yet I'm a pastor. So it depends on your area of calling and gifting. Now, it is believed that Brother Hagin was a slow starter, but was a strong finisher. 
people took note that there was a time he just passed us small churches, you know, passed small churches, and all of a sudden the whole world knew about him. And he just followed God's purpose for his life. And up till now, though he's dead, he's still speaking, isn't it? His ministry is still affecting our lives up till now because he followed God's pattern for his life. See, there was a time everybody was a pastor. Anybody who was called would be a pastor. Even those who are not called to be pastors. And after a while, it seemed like the world got to know about evangelists. And everybody became... See, I wonder sometimes now, I respect some people now, knowing the setting they grew up in and that. I thought, how did someone like Billy Graham, how did he know he was supposed to be having crusades? Because these were things that were not common at a particular time. You know, pioneers are an issue. When somebody pioneers something, okay, you know, today there are so many music ministers in Nigeria, there's so much gospel music. Think of someone like Panam Pesipo. Yeah, in his own time, how, how will you go full time? Think of people like uh, Mount Zion of Faith Ministry, Mike Bamelui, how he decided he was going to be a full time drama minister. You know, because these are pioneers. You know, now anybody can say so that God sent them. It's easy to believe since we have seen examples of those. But those who started that way when there was nothing to see, when there was no, but see what God made out of their lives, you know? So those who chat those kinds of courses, I respect them a lot. Of course, just do what God wants you to do. Stay there. Be led by God. Don't compare yourself with other people. Don't go by somebody else's plan. If you are obedient to God, it's a matter of time. What's your idea of success? I believe success is obeying God. Joshua won't eat this because the Lord shall not depart from your mouth, but you meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written there. For then you make your way prosperous, then you have good success. Do you know that's the only time the word success appears in the King James Bible? In Joshua won't eat. It's only once success appears and you can try it. You know, now you can Google anything. While the person is talking, you can quickly check it. Yeah. That's the only time success appears. I'm talking about the King James Version of the Bible. Only once. And it's in Joshua 1.8. So what's your idea of success? Success is obeying God. That, that's the truth. So if you do something else with your life, people may think you are successful. But if that's not God's plan, you're not successful. So it's not what you know that counts, but what you do with what you know. Allow God to use you the way he wants. And don't use results to determine the will of God. I said we're going to see that in a while. So that there are results. It's not enough. In Exodus 5 from verse 22. Let me read two scriptures here. Exodus 5 from verse 22. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on these people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to these people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. What happened? God told Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to deliver my people. Moses must have thought it was going to happen just like that. It actually became worse for the people. And Moses now came back to complain to God that you say you deliver them, you have not delivered them at all. In other words, things are even worse than before. So if it was based on result, the result was a failure. But you know at the end of the day, God used Moses to deliver the people, didn't he? Yes. So you can't just say because there's no result now, it means God didn't call me. You have to stay that course. And you, you know, when you are digging a well, the beginning is the toughest. When you get to water, it becomes easier, isn't it? So you, you have to stay persistent and committed in what God has called you to do. Later, things will become easier. And that easier is even in a sense. Because you are likely to get busier. So if you are just using result to gauge that, uh, you know, I've been in a tenant ministry for one year. Nobody's inviting me. Nothing, so, 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 so. And you quit because of that. 
you may never be able to see or do what God wants to see or do. So don't use results to judge. Look at Ezekiel chapter 3. I've always found this very instructive. Moreover, I'm reading from the first verse. He said to me, son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll. Go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth. He caused me to eat the scroll. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with the scroll that I give you. So I ate and it was my mouth like honey in sweetness. Then he said to me, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent, take note of this, you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely had I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the house of Israel will not listen to you. Because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. I find this very instructive. God said, Ezekiel, I'm not sending you to strangers. If I sent you to strangers, they would have listened. So I'm sending you to Israel. They won't listen. Meaning God was saying, you will fail. See, that's how we see failure now. But they are the ones I'm sending you to. So if Ezekiel went to the wrong people and there were results, which we will call success, he would have thought he was doing well, whereas... God will not judge him on that. So you see why it has to be that this is what God wants me to do. Results is not enough. Yes, usually there are results. But sometimes there won't be results. And yet you are obeying God and that is success. So that's why we must not use our yardstick. Because some people think big car, big house, you know, people serving you, everybody carrying your bag. When you want to go to a place, eight people will follow you to go and uh, stand. You know, that's people's idea of success today, unfortunately. But is that how Jesus was? Did Jesus dead differently? Why did they need Judas to pick him out? It means he looked like the other people. There would have been no need to ask for Judas. It would have been obvious. It wasn't obvious. So you see, the people's concept, Jesus actually said that uh, people who dress a particular way are in palaces. So if you are competing with Hollywood, is that what it's about? But see, that's what we see in our world today now. The servant of God is, is like a film star. So please listen to me. So you can have just one invitation in a single year. You know it's possible. And you may not have at all. And you are called. So what are you going to do? You see why all, that's why all of us need to evangelize? All of us need to study God's word. All of us need all those kinds of things. Because when you are talking to somebody one-on-one, you are using your gift as well. That's the honest truth. You are using your gift as well. There was a time in my life, once a week, somebody and I would go around Kano. You know, in the little break we had now, somebody came to greet me. And I was amused, you see, because part of what I must have said, that person knew about it. Today, particularly with internet, if you say something and you think nobody knows, so I asked myself, if I'd been telling lies now, and this person, would she have come to greet me? She was happy to see me. I was happy to see her, even for COVID protocol. I'll probably have carried her up, you know, because I knew her from when she was a little girl. And uh, I remember, I, I reminded Reverend Tokes that, remember so and so and so and so people that we invited, you know, when, when we worshipped together and all that, and one of them just came to greet me now. So if I was telling a lie, it would have been one or two things. Either she would come to greet me, or she would not come to greet me, one of the two. If she didn't come to greet me, it would be that you liar. If she came to greet me, it's that so that I will see that all the lies you told. So what is it? <laughs> Hallelujah. So there was a time I used to go from place to place like that, get try to tell somebody how to get saved. 
minister the Holy Ghost baptism, you know, things like that, minister healing to people. This guy and I will go, he had a car, he had a car, will go from place to place. That was using one's gift as well. Because if you are waiting for one big setting, you are waiting for people to invite you, it will never happen. You are not talking to five people. Somebody will invite you to come and talk to 5,000 people. It will never happen. God won't let it happen that way. So if you don't, you start small and do it small and use it in a small way, it's not going to happen in a big way. Things of God are not like that. It is said that the only people who start from the top are grave diggers. You know, when you are digging grave, you start from the top. <laughs> and they are dealing with death. They are not dealing with life. In Luke 4, remember what Jesus said from verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken hearted and so on and so forth. He knew his place of anointing. He knew what the spirit of God was upon him to do. See, after a while, you will, rec you will recognize the way God usually uses you. See, there are other times he will use you a different way. That doesn't mean that's your area of calling or gifting. There are times God will use you in a different way. So it is said, and I learned it from Kenneth Hagin again, that a need is not necessarily a call. That as a need that you feel, it's not necessarily a call into the ministry. That Because all of us, for instance, are supposed to be having family altar. I don't know how many people live under your roof. Everybody's supposed to have family altar. So all of us should be ministering God's word and things like that. So that as a need that you feel, doesn't necessarily mean you have a call. That you can speak Bible, doesn't mean you have a call. So Jesus knew what he was anointed to do. He knew his agenda. And he did it. What are you called to do? God can start you in one area and you can end up in another. In Acts 13, the Bible talks about some teachers and, and uh, prophets, isn't it? Yeah, teachers and prophets. So those who are in Acts 13 who ministered to the Lord and fasted were either teachers or prophets or both. And then God said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work we to have called them. So God had the apostolic word in mind from day one. When Paul fell off his horse, when Jesus appeared to him on the way to Damascus, when Ananias was going to minister to him, God said to Ananias, "Is a chosen vessel unto me who will minister to this and this. He talked about Gentiles. So from day one, God knew he had called an apostle. But he didn't start there. Nobody starts there. Nobody starts as an apostle. You first teach or preach God's word. And as you are faithful in one area, if God wants to move into another area, and if it's that area God wants to use it forever, please stay there and enjoy it and find fulfillment and be a blessing. Don't compare yourself to people. Don't be other things. There are too many people who try to be everything. Nobody is everything. We all know that natural saying, jack of all trade, master of none. So find your office and stay there. How do you get started? Be faithful where you are. Keep doing what you are doing. And God will open things up for you. Ecclesiastes 9.10 reads, Whatever your hand finds to do, do with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom on the grave where you are going. Proverbs 18.16 A man's gift makes room for him. You don't make room for your gift. Your gift makes room for you. Look at Reverend Toes today. I was telling him earlier on today, and that's what I believe truly, that his, his, his life is a lesson on purpose. Anybody who has known him for long, his life is a lesson on purpose. Like he said, we worshiped together for many years. All he wanted to do was to carry bottles of drinks. And there was no doubt that God's hand was upon his life. I don't know how many people who get with the spirit as quickly as he does. 
and he wanted to carry drinks. He wanted to serve people. That's all he wanted to do. When there will be tough, work, dirty work, that's where you will find him. You know, there are people who want to dress up and just sit and, you know, and just say, yeah, yeah, amen, you know, yeah, not him. He will be at the back. You have, we have to look for him. I don't know me. We'll see what God is doing. The gift of a man to make him come. It's a matter of time. So, wherever you are now, just feed on God's word. Spend time praying. Spend time fasting. See? Pray in other tongues. Do all those kinds of things. Love people. Grow. Develop. And people will wonder where you came from. Hear this. When I was in the university, at the time I was vice president of Baptist Student Fellowship, how they made me vice president, I don't understand it today. Because they were not supposed to make me vice president of Baptist Student Fellowship. I don't think I merited it in any way. But for whatever reason, they made me vice president. I was surprised. And I was very unfaithful as the vice president. The president couldn't have liked me. You know, there are people from the past that you will wish you can see now. I wish I would see the president now so that you'll be glad at what came out of my life. I don't think I was a faithful vice president because I thought it was a, a, a bad idea that they made me vice president of Baptist University. Maybe because I stayed long in school, you know. I, I was in university when it was part one, part two. You know, later I became 100 level, 200 level. So when we introduced ourselves in the fellowship, when I was a final year student, I was in part five. I would say 600 levels. When they were saying 600 levels. So, man, I don't know whether that was why they made me a president. The one they decided to preach. Ah, me, preach. So, I picked our daily bread. How many people know our daily bread? I think they still write it now. So, I looked at things on top that had to do with what I was supposed to speak on. See, tomorrow, I, I don't know what I said. Then, people followed me after. And the vice president, the president now, who I don't think was trying to do, now was beginning to lobby for me to become president after him. Ah! I ran away. Now I know there must have been an anointing that accompanied the ministry to everything they call, and it was like, God's hand is on this person's life. But I ran. Because to start with, it's just a little bit, I copied the news on top, but whatever. <laughs> and then, when I got to the north, so I wasn't known in Christian Union of that university because, like I said, I was in Baptist Fellowship. And then for two years of my life, I hardly went to church. I don't recommend that. That's wrong. But you know what I was doing? I was reading the Bible and I was reading Kennedy Hagee's books. I was reading Word of Faith Magazine. For two years, solid years, I didn't know I was growing. I didn't know that staying with God's word was going to make me grow. So I read the Bible and I read Kenhagen's books and I, for two years, I did that consistently, seriously. And then I went to serve. And then I attended a fellowship, just sat somewhere, teach and Jesus chain, those kind of things, I just sat quietly. And then for whatever reason, the man said, by the Spirit of God, that I was going to minister next Tuesday or Thursday, I can't remember, me. And then after I finished talking, there was a first say of the Lord. Ah, but God said I was. So, people who were in university together, they just met all of a sudden. They just came and discovered what was. And they were wondering, ha, well, we 
But because I was feeding on God's word, I didn't know I was growing. Do you know you can be growing and not know? Until the opportunity comes and you open your mouth. After the abundance of the air, what happens? The mouth speaketh. So whatever area of calling you have, feed yourself in God's word. Everybody needs God. Whether you're a music minister, whether you're a pastor, whatever. Everybody will grow the same way through God's word. That's food for the spirit of man. So it's not red carpet that Christians need. This is a nice environment now. We're enjoying ourselves. Let me tell you the honest truth. Even if we are not in this nice environment, if somebody has a call and opens his mouth, human beings will come there and they will receive God's word. Whether it's comfortable or not. People follow just for three days. You, do you think they didn't take food for three days? I don't think so. The food finished and it's stayed. Hallelujah. So be faithful where you are. Keep doing what is right. Keep feeding on God's word. Keep praying. Keep waiting on your ministry. Keep trusting God. Keep praying in other tongues. Keep you will see what God will make out of your life. So be willing and obedient. There are some things God won't start with you first. Later, you see, so you just allow God to use you however he wants. Things become more specific with time. See, God, you start generally first. And after a while, things are going to start narrowing up. Even when you read the Bible, you see that even the Bible is like that. You see the Old Testament in a particular way, and then you see Jesus' ministry, and then it's in the epistles, you understand what it's all about, and then everything concludes in Revelation again. So the call of God will produce opportunities for you. And when the opportunities come, give it your best. When I was a home cell leader, I would go on my face and pray, and spend time praying concerning the meetings, and all that, the same way I would do now, pastoring thousands of people. You know, and uh, yeah, the home cell, the things that will happen in the home cell of the people began to get that. So, home cell became abnormally full. And since it will be full of people, people will be outside, and church had to withdraw me. No, no, this was not the idea. But it was causing problems. So, I took the home cell as seriously as I would take. So, whatever you find to do now for God, do it with everything that you have. Throw everything in it. Pray as though everything depends on prayer. Preparation time is never wasted time. So prepare. Prepare and prepare and prepare. When I turned 50 years ago, I believe God said to me that uh, 20 to 30 year olds who have a call in the church I pastor, you should bring them together. We call it prep room today. Just once a month, we meet. So my associate and I, we just talk to them. We just gather them and just talk. We just tell them, you know, we share our concept of ministry because sometimes they will take over from us in future. So we just share God's word with them, things we have seen in life and all that. We call it prayer preparation room. We didn't know what was coming. We were just doing it, just doing that. Now, after a while now, there's a service now that we have on Sundays that those people are the ones that do it. Those who started attending it were doing it by faith because it was, it was like it was going nowhere. They were just meeting. They were just being touched things. They were asking questions. Things were being explained to them. Where was it ending? You know, if you are attending something that we end in two years, and it starts at the beginning, it has an end. This one, as though there was nothing. No direction. You didn't know when you graduated. You didn't know. We just met once a month and just shared and talked and all that. So now, with what God is now doing with those people, I want to see, of course, you can be sure that other people now want to be part of it. I'm saying preparation time is not lost. 
They prepared for years and now they're seeing those things happen. And things are going to happen with them. So build a team. It's important. Part of what we saw earlier on is that people must be praying consistently for any work that's going somewhere, including itinerant ministry. Because you think because you're going from place to place, you don't need to pray. You know, easily you can preach the same message. Internet has spoiled that now, isn't it? Internet has spoiled that now. Because you can't preach the same message everywhere now because they can stream it and it can happen. But you know, in the past, you can just do one message for three years because if they don't invite you back, that same, you like to preach from Luke chapter 5. You preach it here, preach it there, preach it there, preach it everywhere. You go, it's the same message. So if somebody attends one and they see you somewhere else, they see the same message. There's nothing that's different. But you know now, if you do it now, internet will expose you. But on a serious note, you know, some people should be praying for you consistently. Because you need a fresh word. You need a fresh touch of God. So, those are things that you must put in place. When I believed God wanted me to go full-time in the ministry, it was the month of, this church I pastor started in June. And in August, I believe God said, I should go full-time. I said, what? What am I going to eat? A church that started from scratch, two months old, didn't break off from anywhere. So use your imagination. How many could we have been? God said, I should go full time. And I said, okay, if I say, okay, yes, I have somebody else's daughter that I married. How will she eat? See, that's my concern. How will she eat? I stand today, 28 years or so, after, but I've never gone hungry. All our needs have been met. There's nothing we have wanted God to do that God has not done. God has honored us. God has showed himself faithful and true. I hardly slept that night. I brought up every argument I knew. And things I thought read a particular way in the Bible, God showed me from the same Bible that is what I thought was not what was there. And, I would, and by following money, I said, Lord, I, I, I will go full time. I was ready to go full time. I've never regretted it today. But you see, if God didn't ask me to go full time, I'll have stayed doing the work I was doing. I wouldn't have gone full time at all. But I wanted an office. So I agreed in August. I ended up coming full time on the 1st of November of that year. Because we had to set up an office first. At that time, we didn't have, you know, those typewriters different typewriters that existed then. But I said to myself, I did, thank you. I said to myself, I'm not the kind of person who is at home. You know, there are people who tire up at 10 o'clock in the morning. And they're saying, no, 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 it's hard work. I don't think it's hard work. So I was going to have an office. So you need an office. And people are going to be praying and all of that. If it's God's work, there must be prayer backing it up. If there's no prayer and things are happening, it's not God. Can I say that again? <laughs> if there's no prayer and things are happening, it's not God. Let's talk about some administrative needs. Start with the basics. Start small. I just described what's happening. Zechariah 4.10 The Bible says, For who has despised the days of small things? The kingdom of God is not planting a tree, it's seed. Matthew 13 from verse 31. Matthew 13 from verse 31. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sold in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree. See, it becomes but you start small. So just start small. Do you know the church I pastor today? We didn't launch when we started. 
Don't put things. You must call everybody together. There must be program. You know, you must print and build. Nothing. You just announced that we're going to start Arizona next Sunday. And there's nothing you have wanted to do that has not done. Start small. Keep it simple. I'm just advising you. You know that people like flamboyance. They like all that kind of thing. To me, that's not the ministry. It's a substance changing lives. I go to places and they say, where is your PA? I say, I don't have PA. Will somebody have PA? I'm telling you, honest, I don't have a PA. I don't have a driver. There's nothing wrong with having a driver. The church I pastor has drivers. If I'm going to minister somewhere, somebody drives me, we go together. You know, he drives. I won't drive so I can free myself. There was a time I used to drive myself and all that. And but I, I needed to take it easier. It was wise. So somebody else would drive. And then we would go there together, you know, and that kind of thing. But I said to myself, my house is not far from the office. My wife's office is not far from my office. So we end up using just one car. So what am I doing piling vehicles up for? So how many minutes will I drive to get to the office? Ten minutes. So I drive myself. And people say, say, ah, he drives himself. Hey, what is the big deal about it? It's African man mentality. That, yeah. Because people in the Western world who have larger ministries dread themselves. Keep it small. Keep it simple. So many days we carry you, come down, somebody's laying down the bridge, somebody's, ah, because of what? You know, there are ministers to talk to them, you have to be on your knees to talk to them. Where, which example? Where do they find that? You can't even call their names. My older brother, older brother, my five years, called me my name one day and somebody was annoyed with me. He said, no, why can't you call him on So what should you be calling me? Well, my, my wife and I gave, long ago, my wife and I gave somebody a, a ride, a lady, and then my wife called me, Shola, and was talking to me, and then she was annoyed. They're calling pastor, so what should she call me? At first, I didn't say anything. Then she told her husband, I said, eh, I'm not telling your husband what to call you. What's your business with what my wife calls you? Should my wife be calling me Reverend? <laughs> Keep it simple. One day, I, I can't remember that it's been enough. I was buying my child's book or something. Yeah? And one somebody said, eh, you buy grandma's He said, you put it on television. I said, it doesn't like Aderu Koko. You know, you don't know who that is. They, one of these. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what does that have to do with anything? The excellence is about putting your best into what you are doing. It's not about walking around like a peacock. Keep your own expenses as minimal as possible. People will trust you. People trust me in the church I pastor today. Because when we say we're going to do something, so so, so so so, they see it happen instantly. And we could be piling jeeps all over the place. You know, there are so many people who employ people that you don't need. Because you have to pay them salaries, don't you? So people will take five, six offerings. A few days ago, I asked our accountant to let's see the first quarter of this year compared to the first quarter of last year, compared to the first quarter of pre-COVID, just to have an idea. And my associate came to me and was shaking his head. I said, what's wrong? He said, it's amazing that God has been good. See, that, 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 I mean, see what thing, because ordinarily if things had nosedived, it would have been so. 
and nobody makes any noise about offering. Nobody preaches. She said, if not like I asked, I wanted to see her, I wouldn't have known. Because it's not my money. Everybody needs these things in whatever area of gifting and calling you have. Everybody. So employ when you need to. Use volunteers for most things. Do things sequentially and strategically. Be prudent. You agree with me? This affects everybody, not just itinerant ministers. Itinerant ministers need it even more. Because in the natural, it's not as though there is a consistent thing happening. So you have to be wise with the resources. All of us are called into stewardship, isn't it? So let's talk about some things we need. Administrative needs. Technology, of course, you need technology now. Nobody needs to tell you you need chair, you need desk. You need an office. I talked about an office earlier, but I wasn't going to work without having an office. So an office has to be set up. And may I say this? It is believed today that whatever size of ministry you have, it has a lot to do with the structure that you put in place. Let me give you an example. You know they have what they call corner shops in London. Those small, small shops uh, like Pakistani or Indian, you know. You see the man and his wife, they're working together. They're in one corner shop. It's called the corner shop. Everything is there. Whatever you need, the man will give you, the wife will give you. Both of them know where everything is. Do you know those, the size of those corner shops? Very small, isn't it? But when there will be a supermarket, there will be departments. In the supermarket, there will be departments. So, somebody will be responsible for this, somebody will be responsible for that. So, by yourself, based on the structure you set in place, whether for itinerant ministry or any other kind of ministry, it will affect how big things can become, just based on how you structure it. For instance, if you invite somebody to preach, and you are the pastor, you go and catch the person in the airport, this year, next year it still happens. Three years time it still happens, I already have an idea of how big that thing can become. Because you are everything, just like a small corner shop. But if somebody is responsible for this, somebody is responsible for this, somebody is responsible for that, just based on organization alone, you have structured it for something growing and something big. Everything that will grow must have a big head. Can I say that again? Everything that will grow must have a big head. Look at a little child. A baby is like half head. But with time, the body will become bigger and bigger and the head will no longer seem too big. So when you see an adult now, the head is proportional to the the body. So anything that is structured for growth must have a big head. What is the center of it must be strong and big and organized and properly done. That's when the thing will begin to grow the way it's supposed to be. So you need an address. How do people communicate with you? Everything, you're just functioning anyhow. If people want to reach you, they don't have to reach me now. There's no organization. There's nothing like an address properly and all that. Here, when God talks to Satan, Job chapter 1 from verse 7. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth. So if you have no fixed address, to and fro. I said to myself, you know, I, I told you earlier that uh, every message that preaches in that church, like 28 years, I'm talking about 28 years, I, I have them from day one. Sundays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, you know, I have them. Why, why, I talked to myself, why did I do that? 
Nobody told me to do it. I never heard anybody say it. I said to myself, it means I believed then that it was going to go far. I believed it was going to remain for long. I believe it was important to keep those records. Today, those records are a blessing. They're a blessing to me because, you know, if I come to preach for you, sir, now, and then you invite me another time, because I go out so often, I minister in many places, I can't possibly remember what I preach everywhere. Supposing what I preached for you two years ago, you invite me, the same thing I preach. And then two years ago, I come back and preach the same thing. You know, it's possible. Naturally, it's possible. But just the fact that I have a record alone, it can't happen. Yes, I'm to seek God. Yes, we know that. But some things become easier when you organize. Do you know the Bible says let everything be done decently and in order? People were waiting for a miracle. Jesus Christ was going to multiply loaves. What do you say? Let the people sit down in 50s. You know? Yeah. While we are waiting for a miracle, let there be order and organization. When there's order and organization, whether I think in under any other kind of ministry, it's easier to be receptive of the supernatural. Today, you need to use social media. I don't know what you need. I'm saying things here. You need to use social media today. So, Facebook, all those things. Because that's where this generation is living. That's where this generation is living. If you want to reach them, you need to be on those things. today. So, I see the event talks on Instagram. You see, I see them on Twitter. I have an idea of what's happening. It's just that we, we need to be careful. You saw some people, if they sneeze, they'll put it there. I sneezed. So the whole world knows where they are. And that can be a security issue, isn't it? So we need to be wise how we use it. But it's important because if they're going to reach people, think about this. I think I checked one day. I can't remember anymore now because I checked it because I needed that information one day to say something in church. I can't remember how many thousands of followers he has. So that means if Nathaniel Bassi should tweet something, that number of thousands of people have received it. So start putting things out like that that make a lot of sense. Because you are influencing so many people through it. You will see if there is substance in what you are passing out, it will grow, it will grow. And thousands. So if you just put something on, thousands of people have seen it. Is that not many still already? Transportation needs high and good conditions, such things, you know, those things will happen with time. You need to have a bank account. Separate your ministry account from your personal bank account. That's the final one on you. Sorry. Thank you. Separate your bank account. In church, I pastor, if you want to support a ministry and the person gives us a personal bank account, you are not comfortable. You are not comfortable with it. Because it's not your money. Your personal account will be separate from ministry. I don't know how many accounts the church I pastor has. I don't think it's a big church. Because of that, no, it doesn't mean that. But even teams in church, like ushers, like, you know, they have accounts that I don't even know about. You see, if you must know about everything happening under you, you are limiting that thing. Including itinerary. If you must know the detail of every sort of thing happening. So that's what I mean by structuring things in a way that will grow. Because you can become a lead in the thing by yourself. So there are accounts of that church that are not a signature to. 
I'm not a signatory at all. And I'm not a sole signatory to any of the accounts. There's no account of check I passed on that I alone can sign something. It's not possible. By design. So I can be free. I can talk. I can say anything. I don't need to watch what I say. I can talk. I can open my mouth and talk. I'm not afraid of what money I will give off you. So, you know, you are free when you are like that. And people can see it. They know it's not their cover that's going to feed you. So, you have an emergency, have an account for it. Let it be different from your personal money. You also give to it the same way other people can give to it. So, I also give. It's not your money. The money of the ministry is not your personal money. So, when you operate that way, once people can trust you, you will see what God will make to happen for you. That's integrity, isn't it? So the more prudent you are about money, the more people will trust you with their own money. Of course, you need good banks. You know, nobody needs to say that. And uh, sometimes loans are taken for things like that. In our own environment, I won't advise you to take a loan for a general ministry. For, for what? To borrow money from bank? To do what? But it's, it's on clients, it's important, it's necessary. And it's good to be aware. See, the number of things I read daily concerning ministry, I'm subscribed to all kinds of things. You know why? Because in the area you are in, let me give you an example. One day, Paul said, he went by revelation to go and meet Peter, James, and John, tell them what he was preaching. Remember? That's in Galatians, isn't it? He said they didn't add anything to him. All they tried to tell him was that he should do something for the poor. And he said that he always did before. And so I asked myself, why then did God say that he should go and meet him? Because he said he went by revelation. He was not going to add anything. So why did God make him go? So it means to me, because he said he wanted to know whether he had just been preaching open, off point, or whether he was, but he said they didn't add anything to him. So what that tells me is that if God is using you, if God has something for you, it's going to be okay by other people that God is using and has something for. There's nothing like, no, you can't understand it. It's only one person that God can use. No, 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 no. It's not, there's nothing like that. So there's no special gospel for Nigeria. There's no special gospel. See, there's nonsense people preach that cannot cross to another place. They're just manipulating people because of a polygamous setting in Nigeria. They preach things that they can't preach somewhere else. They say because they're just manipulating people here. If they go somewhere else, what they're saying is irrelevant. It doesn't mean anything. If it's the true gospel, it will affect human beings everywhere. So that's what you should preach, the gospel. Preach the gospel. If you preach the gospel, see, you don't need to modify. The examples you will use might be different. Might be things that will be relevant culturally, but it's the same gospel that you're going to preach everywhere. And that's what we need to open doors for you. Save. Savings are important. Believe me, you need to save. Reverend Jokes and I were discussing earlier on, and we were discussing something we know, and a particular servant of God who looked ahead because he stood in financially and thought, if so so and so happens in future, so and so is in place, we better put money aside for so and so and so, so we are not taking on our wares. That's natural wisdom. Everybody should do that. You should say, 
So the church I pastor, we save. So things can happen suddenly. We put money aside for things. We run a hospital. We have an IVF center. There are different kinds of things we do that way. And we don't make any issue about money at all. We don't make noise about money. Someone doesn't want to preach about offering. After you have preached, somebody to come to preach again, take offering. Nobody does that. Why? Because we saw in the Bible that God told Moses to tell the people what to do. And Moses came and told them what to do. And it was more than enough. And we said simply, if it's the same God, if you follow the same principle, you will see the same result. Let Moses tell people, this is what is needed. Give. You have more than enough. And I can tell you this, after 28 years, it has happened over and over and over and over. If it's truly God, this is what he wants. If we say it, there's always more than enough inside. You don't want to go and meet anybody outside. We have never gone to ask anyone to say penny from inception. The gospel is true. The Bible is real. The Bible works. So, save. Don't eat with ten fingers. God opens the door for you. Somebody, keep part of it. Use it. Think of if it becomes bigger, how you operate. Start putting things in place now. And I think that means. And like I said, even somebody who is a pastor or another kind of office may end up accumulating as well. Put those things in place. Legal issues are important. Legal issues are important. Jeremiah 32, let's read from verse 8. So, do things legally. Put legal issues in place. Jeremiah 32 from verse 8. Then Hanamel, my uncle's son, so this was uncle's son, meaning his cousin, isn't it? Jeremiah's cousin, came to me in the court of the prison according to the word of the Lord and said to me, please buy my field that's in Anatot, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is yours and the redemption yours. Buy it for yourself. Then I knew this was the word of the Lord. You know, God had told Jeremiah, and this person is going to come and ask you to buy land. So when it happened, he said, I knew the words of the Lord. Let's keep reading verse 9. So I bought the field from Hanamir, the son of my uncle, who was in Anathoth, and weighed out to him the money, 17 shekels of silver. And I signed the deed. That's where I'm going. I signed the deed and sealed it, took witnesses. It was his cousin. Took witnesses and weighed the money on the scales. So I took the purchase deed, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom, and that which was open. And I gave the purchase deed to Baruch, the son of Rea, in the presence of Hanamir, my uncle's son, in the presence of witnesses who signed the purchase deed, before all the Jews who sat in the court of the prison, and so on and so forth. This person was his cousin. According to the word of the Lord, he bought land. But he put legal things in place, according to the law. Later, the interpretation was said there, that God said, you know, there will come a time that people will buy land again, because they were going, to be, they were going in captivity, that they should come back to Thailand. But this was his cousin, you see. And yet, legal things were put in place. So, put legal things in place. If you believe you are going far, if you believe it's God, and you want it to be credible, and you want it to last, you need to put things in place legally. So, things like a board of trustees and all that. There are natural things, wise things you do so that there will be no conflict of interest. Take those things into consideration. Don't put room because of money. You know, there are people, they want to they put somebody on the board because the person has money. Whether the person is a Christian or not, it's not the issue. Do you want to use an unbeliever 
to be trustee of something that is a believer because the person has money? One time in my life, I was believing God to start a private dental practice. And there was a rich man who was my patient in Kano. And he came to me and he thought I was a good doctor. Uh, why don't we team up? We will put money down and then we will. It was tempting. And then I thought about it. This man did not go to school to learn dentistry. He has money now. He will set this thing up. I will do all the work for him for the rest of my life. And we will be sharing the money. I has no idea of the work. I will just be working for him because I don't have money now and he has money now. I said, no. I don't want. I'm grateful to God that that's what I do. Later on, supernaturally, which I can't go into now because my time is up, I was able to set up that private dental practice without needing that man. You see, money can seem tempting immediately because of what you want to do. Don't let anybody be able to own your ministry. Don't let anybody be able to say, we are the owner, we are the ones that set you up. If not, the Bible says, Abraham said, lest they say I made Abraham rich. That way, all the glory will always go to God. So we'll take another break now and uh, we'll go on from there by the grace of God. So we stop with legal things. Isn't it? We'll go on from there. So please stand up and stretch your legs. 